I'm not seeing any hands raised. That's good. Um, hopefully the answer to that question is none of you. Uh, it would be my assertion this morning that none of you have ever woken up with a desire to fail. I mean, it would seem insane for you to take a certain job where you thought you would fail. Uh, it would seem just as crazy for you to try and do some crazy stunt trick, st- stunt trick if you were certain that you would fail. Yet, if you look on YouTube, it's like people didn't realize they would fail. Lots of funny videos out, out there. Well, though our intention may never be to fail, we all at times deal with failure in our lives. Do you ever wonder why that is? Um, I'm not going to stand up here today and act like I have the answer to that deep question, but I would suggest to you that due to our humanity, we can at times seem uncertain in the decisions that we make. And our lack of consistency and care in our life can make it certain that we will fail. When we approach the life of Abram, it can seem that he continued to make poor decision after poor decision, which resulted in constant accounts of failure. But I believe if you were to ask Abram, he would share with you that it was never his intent to fail. Back in chapter 12 of the book of Genesis in verse 2, God had made a promise to Abram that he would bless Abram. He would make of him a great nation. Yet when you read through the life of Abram, who would later be called Abraham, we read that he failed many times in his life. He failed when it came to trusting God, and he failed when it came to trusting God's word concerning that promise. Now, now as it has been mentioned in previous weeks during this study, Abram sought to fulfill the promise that God gave to him of an heir through certain individuals. pastor mentioned this a couple weeks ago. He thought, maybe the fulfillment of this prophecy is my nephew Lot. Um, he saw that that was not the case. And he thought, well, maybe it's my servant Eliezer. Again, not the case. And today, as we look at Genesis 16, we see that Abram perhaps thought, maybe it will be this heir that comes through the Egyptian handmaiden, Hagar. I find it interesting that the one who has been called by many the father of our faith had many instances where he had a lack of faith in our Heavenly Father. By noticing, though, that the mistakes that Abram made and by acknowledging that he blew it at times, we will be able to better see and recognize that our God is faithful, even in the midst of human failure. Our God is faithful even in the midst of human failure. Let's look at the passage, Genesis 16. We'll read down to verse 6. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children. And she had an handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. And Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband Abram to be his wife. And he went in unto Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. And Sarai said unto Abram, My wrong be upon thee, I have given my maid into thy bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between me and thee. But Abram said unto Sarai, Behold, thy maid is in thy hand. Do to her as it pleases thee. And when Sarai dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face. As we approach this passage, if you were reading through it, 
I want you to notice that there are two major divisions in chapter 16. Uh, the first is, d- division is seen in verses 1 through 6, and the second division is verse 7 to the end of the chapter. Uh, if you were to read this account, you would clearly see the two divisions, and you might think, maybe these shouldn't be together. Maybe these are two different stories. But though that may seem the case, these are put intentionally next to each other. And they help to show us the faithfulness of our God, even in the midst of human failure. Let's dig into the passage. We see, of course, first of all, the failure of Abram. The failure of Abram. Where do we see this failure? We see that Abram doubted the timing of God's promise. He doubted the timing of God's promise. You would think after making several decisions that had backfired in his face, Abram would have learned that he needed to trust God. To keep the promise of the seed that God had made back to him back in chapter 12. See, here's the, here's the truth. God had been faithful. Even though Abram had not yet seen God fulfill this promise just yet, God had been faithful. But we see time and time again that Abram failed when it came to trusting the timing of God's promises. We see from the passage that Abram doubted the timing of God's promise. God had promised Abram that he would give him an heir. The line of Abram would be vast. It would be immeasurable. But since the promise had not yet been fulfilled, Abram began to doubt this promise that God had given to him. Perhaps Abram thought that he needed to take action. He needed to act in his own accord in order to make sure that this promise would be fulfilled. Maybe Abram thought that he could lend a helping hand to God to see that the promise would indeed be fulfilled. The first verse of this passage reveals the issue that Sarai and Abram had. It said, now Sarai, Abram's wife, bear him no children. Sarah, Sarai, the wife of Abram, had not given him any children. Now, now let's understand something here. This would have been a very humiliating situation for both Sarai and Abram. It would have been humiliating. Uh, the culture during that time would have viewed Sarai in a poor manner. They would have thought Sarai as one who was simply consuming valuable resources from Abram. During that time, the Near East thought of barren women as worthless to society. Isn't that a horrible thought? Women who were barren, you were worthless. You are simply taking all the valuable resources. We would have a different perspective today. Today's society would be a little bit different. They would view it differently. But though we might have a different perspective in our society, you must consider how this must have made Sarai feel. Because the reality was, if you were barren, it was looked down upon. You're taking valuable resources. Why is he wasting his time with you? You're barren. And you must imagine how this must have made Sarai feel. Perhaps the way that the culture viewed Sarai urged her to seek another alternative to, to seeing this promise fulfilled. Sarai may have viewed this perception and allowed it to force her to make a foolish decision. God had made a promise. It was very clear. Abram, your line will be vast. It will be unmeasurable. We have to be careful here, though, before throwing stones at Sarai and Abram. You ever read your Bible, and you, and you think, man, that person is an idiot. God had given them a promise. They didn't, fulfill, you know, they didn't wait for God. Or maybe you say, why couldn't they trust God? Hadn't they seen what God had done before? But the reason that we are of that persuasion is because we've read the whole book. The reason why we can look at Abram and say, how could you doubt God? Is because we've read up to chapter 21 where God does fulfill that promise. 
we have to be careful before throwing stones at Sarai and Abram. They did doubt the promise of God at times. That's a reality. They did. And we can understand here that Sarai was acting out of fear of man. Acting out of fear of man. Due to her fear of man, she was willing to seek another alternative to quote-unquote save face, so to speak. See, according to the culture, using a handmaiden to produce a child was socially acceptable. So she comes, she has this issue, and she says, hey, here's what we can do about it, Abram. Just take my, you know, my handmaid, the Egyptian handmaiden, Hagar. Sleep with her. She'll give us a child. Now, we would look at that today, and we think, well, that's really weird. But according to society at that time, that was, that was acceptable. After the handmaiden would have produced a child, society would have deemed it okay for the barren wife of the husband to claim that child as her own. It's interesting. I said that Abram at times doubted God's timing of of fulfilling that promise. He thought, well, maybe it's my nephew Lot. Uh, Maybe it's my servant Eliezer. And we see here, maybe it's going to come through this handmaiden, this Egyptian handmaiden, Hagar. But understand this, that though it may have been viewed culturally acceptable, it was not necessarily acceptable in God's eyes. When God made that promise of a, to Abram of a seed, he made it to, to Abram while he was married to Sarai. Now Sarai was his only wife, and God did not give any indication to Sarai or to Abram that they would need the help of another woman who was perhaps younger than Sarai. Now when God gave this promise, they were not ex- exactly young, It would have been a miracle for them to have children. But again, we understand the story, and we know that when God made that promise, it would be many years before that was fulfilled. Let us think about this, though, this morning. When making decisions in in our life, just think through this. When you make decisions in your life, do you make those decisions based on your fear of man, like Sarah did? Or do you make those decisions as a believer who desires to please God in the decisions that are made? Let's just be honest. Sarah here was trying to save face. Sarah here was trying to get the attention off of her. Sarah here was trying to get the doubt and the contempt from others around her away from her. And she thought, well, hey, this is acceptable. acceptable. Maybe this is how God will fulfill that promise. I believe if we were honest this morning... I believe we would all admit that we have acted in the past out of our fear of man. Haven't we? We truly care what others around us think. Even though God may have made certain promises clear in our life. Now again, it does matter how we portray ourselves to others around us. It does matter that we have a testimony to those around us. But we cannot let society, we cannot let our friends or those on social media, whatever it may be, we cannot let the news determine how we should act. Many times we say, well, everyone else is doing it. This is okay in the world's eyes. It must be okay in God's eyes. But we must not act out of the fear of man. I think often we do this because we're filled with pride, aren't we? We we don't want to come across to someone as as less than what they are. We don't want to come across as as someone who's vulnerable. We don't want to come across as someone who has difficulties in our life and struggles in our life and issues in our life. So we can act sometimes 
due to our fear of man. Something for us to consider this morning. Again, I know it's easy when we read God's word to be like, that person, how could they have doubted God? How could they have disobeyed God? And yet if we were to read through a report of our past week, we'd see how many times we disobeyed God. How many times we displeased God. How many times we made decisions simply out of what others would think about us. The encouragement this morning is to wait on God's timing for the promises that he has made in our lives. The beautiful thing about this passage is it reveals to us the faithfulness of our God, even in the midst of human failure. Many times you can approach scripture and say, how could that person have blown it? But I'm just so thankful that our God was faithful in the midst of that. I'm so thankful this morning that we can look at periods in our life where we blew it. We disobeyed God, we displeased God, and yet he was faithful to us. So we've, we've considered how Sarah must have felt. She would have been humiliated. But also think about how Abram must have felt. Uh, though the scripture does not record it, I can imagine that those around Abram knew of the promise that had been given to him by God. It would not surprise me if others around Abram knew that a promise from God had been given to him that Abram would have an heir. Yet, there was still no heir. I mean, when God had given this promise, it would, have been, it would have been amazing and significant. Yet time had passed. Still, the promise had not yet been fulfilled. They would have started to look at Abram and think, are you sure you heard something from God? Are you sure you heard that properly? Are you sure he promised that to you? Are you sure you understand what God promised? Whenever mankind is forced to wait on God and to wait on his timing, it can cause fear and doubt to creep into their mind. Knowing that God had promised to give an heir, listen to this, was not enough to cause Abram and Sarai to wait on God's timing. Abram and Sarai knew that God had given a promise. Yet it wasn't enough to to cause him to wait for God to answer that request. Many times there are struggles in our life, there are issues in our life, and we come before God and we say, God, there's something I can't handle. God, there's something that I need help with. And instead of waiting on God to answer, instead of waiting on God to take care of his children like he has promised he will do, we don't receive an answer right away. And we say, well, here's an option. Maybe that's what I need to do. And we struggle with doubt in our lives, even though there's so much evidence of the faithfulness of God in in our very own lives. One must take note here that The promise which was given to Abram back in chapter 12, it did not specifically state or include Sarah as part of the promise. Go back. It says that Abram would be given an heir. His line would be vast, immeasurable. It didn't say, and Sarah will be included. But remember, when Abram was given this promise, he was married to Sarah. He didn't have six other wives. Sarah was not on her deathbed. And so understanding this, though, might have caused Abram and Sarai to seek other ways in which the promise could have been fulfilled. Though Sarah was not mentioned by name, and though God did not clearly say that the heir would come from Sarai, they should have waited on God. Waited patiently. Hey, the same can be said for you and I. Difficulty comes into our life. Can we, can we agree about that? The Bible says... 
you know, when temptation comes into our life, not if temptation comes into our life. It's the same thing with struggles. When struggle comes into our life, it's not if you will deal with struggle in life, but whenever difficulty comes into our life, or whenever we desire some direction or some guidance from God, we must be willing to wait for his answer. We must be willing to humble ourselves and to see God's direction on the situation. That's really what it falls back to. When, when, we, when we don't wait on God, when we don't allow God to answer, when we don't allow God to control the situation, it really is an issue of pride. Well, God, you didn't, you didn't fulfill this, this need or this desire in the time that I wanted it. I'm going to take care of it myself. How many of you, just no, don't raise your hands, but how many of you have ever acted this way when it came to your finances? Think about it. Uh, perhaps you had an old car, and uh, something happened with the old car. And for a long time, you've been wanting a new car, okay? So you, you, you know, you've been driving this car around. There's nothing really wrong with it. It's just not the most beautiful car. And all of a sudden, you get a flat tire, and you're just like, well, that just means I need to go get a new car. Or this happened to me a couple weeks ago. I was driving a white car, and I had to get some repairs on it. And I had thought when I had purchased the car that with our growing family, it would be big enough for, the, for, for us. But I don't know if just my son Abraham is fat or something, but the car seat was too big for the car. And I'm like, well, I guess we've got to get a bigger car. So it was kind of the plan, okay, six months down the road, we're going to get a bigger car by the time Benjamin comes around. That's going to be our, our son that's coming in February. Well, something happened with my car, and Felt like the wheel was shaking, and I was like, okay, I need to go take, get, you know, get this looked at. Well, this guy gave me this price, and all of a sudden I called Michelle. I'm like, yeah, we're going to have to get that new car immediately. Um, and she's like, what happened? I'm like, well, this is what happened. She's like, doesn't mean we have to get the car now. Um, long story short, we did get that car repaired, and God did provide another car. But don't we do this sometimes? Something small comes into our life, and we're like 17 steps ahead, like, oh, I guess that just means I need to do this especially when it comes to our, our finances. Or maybe, let's, let's make it personal today, some financial need comes up, and the first thing that we're going to neglect is our tithe. Um, something comes up at work, and the first thing we're, we're going we're to neglect is our time with God, because God knows, God understands. And we, and we make a foolish decision, we make a foolish purchase of something we can't really afford because we don't trust in the timing of God's promise. God has promised us that he will provide for us. God has promised us that he will provide for us. But yet when some difficulty comes into our life, we freak out. We make a foolish decision. So we see the failure of Abraham. It was seen in his doubting of the timing of God's promise. But we also see that not only did Abraham doubt God, the timing of God's promise, he doubted God's plan. He doubted God's plan. Verse 2 reveals that Sarai approached Abram with a solution to their supposed problem. But notice this, that Sarah, Sarai immediately declares that God has made her barren and God has hindered them from having children. I mean, you can, you can see from Sarai's directness that she was placing all the blame for her barrenness on God. 
Can I suggest something to you this morning? Perhaps God was having Sarai and Abram wait for the fulfillment of the promise that he had made. Just because God had promised an heir, he never did indicate when that promise would be fulfilled. One might think that since the age of Abram and Sarai was up in years, the promise that from God needed to be fulfilled fairly soon. Aren't you so glad, though, that sometimes God makes us wait? Sometimes he does it in such a way that we would never expect. And when we think back on it, it's because it can only be from God. It could only be from God. It could only be God that answered that prayer. It could only be God that provided the answer to that prayer. Abraham, or Abram doubted God's plan. Sarai's direct speech spoken to Abram about God made it appear that the blame was entirely on God, that they, that, that they had not yet had a child that would serve as an heir. But you do realize God has, had a specific time in mind. It wasn't like God was like, yeah, I'm going to give you an heir, and it may be tomorrow, it may be when I feel like it, three weeks from now, it may be ten years from now. God knew. God knew the doubt that Abram would have. God knew the disobedience that Abram and Sarai would, would have against him. God knew all that. God knew that they would have an heir. He knew when it would happen. But you know what's interesting? Abram was 100 years old when that was fulfilled. And yet, he was thinking at 75, if it's going to happen, it has to happen now. Often we try and push God to our timeline. We try and say, God, you've you've said you're going to do this. If you're going to do it, it's got to be this way and it's got to be now. But it wouldn't be until chapter 21 of Genesis and Abram wouldn't be, he would be 100 years old until this promise was fulfilled. And again, I, I mentioned to you, I find it humorous how we can often look at certain characters in the Bible and we can judge them so harshly. Uh, it's because we know the rest of the story. We know that God made this promise back in this chapter. He fulfills this promise in this chapter. And we judge him so, so harshly, but if we were to take a look in the mirror this morning, we would see some, some similarities between their lapses of faith and the times in our life that we have lapses of faith. What about you, though, fellow Christian? Fellow Christian who's here today, what about you? When you bring your needs, when you bring your desires before God, are you willing to wait for when God will answer that request? Perhaps the answer is going to be no. But are you willing to wait? Are you willing to to wait patiently for the answer that God will give? Often we act in a way that is pleasing to us because we think that this life is ours to govern. We forget that God created us for a purpose and that was to glorify him and that was to bring him praise. And we think, no, God has given me talents so I can use them for my benefit. God has given me desires so I can use them for my benefit. But when you bring those needs and desires before God, are you willing to wait for when God will answer that request? Perhaps the answer will not be the one you're searching for. But be honest with yourself. And think through the struggles that you face when things in your life are not going the way that you thought that they they would go. 
The beautiful truth is that our God is faithful, even in the midst of our human failure. Our God is faithful, even in the midst of our human failure. Because Sarah and Abram did not know the timing of the birth of this heir, they might have thought that God was waiting on them to fulfill that promise. Now, we need to be careful here when we think of that. God had, again, God had clearly promised Abram an heir. But God did not share with Abram the method that he would be using to bring about that heir. Perhaps it would come through Sarah, Sarai, even though she was older in years. Perhaps it would have come through another source. But unfortunately, this doubt that crept into the mind of Abram caused him to listen to the voice of his wife instead of to the voice of God. It's amazing to notice the similarity in the verse about how Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarah in verse 2. And how similar that is to the account in Genesis earlier in the book when Adam hearkened to the voice of Eve. Now, I'm not going to be foolish enough to stand up here and say, men, that means you shouldn't hearken to your wife. No, that's not the, that's not the point. But it, but it is pretty revealing. What do we normally hearken to? What do we listen to? What do we give attention to? Often we don't, we don't hearken to the voice of God because we're allowing other things to, to fill our minds. We're allowing other things to, to, to fill our ears. We're looking to other sources for guidance. We're looking to other sources for direction. But Adam hearkened to, the, to Eve's voice back in Genesis 3, and we're familiar with what happened in Genesis 3. Due to the fact that Adam hearkened to Eve's voice instead of hearkening to the voice of God. When Adam hearkened to his wife's voice, he partook of the fruit and disobeyed the command and instruction that God had given. The Bible says that though the woman was deceived, Adam knew what he was doing. His foolish leadership brought suffering into the world. Don't you see in this story, in this account, the similarity in this instance between Abram and Sarai and how you and I are easily influenced by those around us? I mean, think through it. If you're, if you're in a workplace where you're kind of in the minority as a Christian, it's so easy to kind of hearken to the voice of your coworkers to compromise a little bit, it's so easy if we, give it, if we give our attention to the news or to social media to listen to what they think is appropriate, to listen to what they have to say. For all of us, we are influenced through different methods and by different people, but the truth is we are all influenced by those around us. And it boils back down to, the, to that fear of man. If I don't say this, if I don't take this stand, what will they think of me? I would submit to you, what, what does God think about it? It would do much good if we were to hearken and to listen to the voice of God when it comes to circumstances that, are, that arise in our life, instead of just running to each other or those around us for advice. Though biblical advice can be given to us by others, I would encourage you to seek divine wisdom, which Scripture tells us can only come from God. And from his word. Unfortunately, when we are faced with difficult situations, we allow ourselves to think that, that what we need to hear, we allow ourselves to think that we need to hear what those around us have to say. Instead of submitting ourselves to what God has for us, through his word and through prayer. I think that's why sometimes it's difficult for us to submit to what God has for us. It takes discipline. It takes time. It takes patience. Because we can call our friend and get their advice real quick. We can go to social media and get that advice real quick. 
But it takes time and it takes humility to stop and to say, God, what would you have me do? God, I'm unsure of, of, of how to respond. I'm unsure of what to do. Father, please direct me. Prayer forces us to submit. Prayer forces us to wait. Submission is not something we like to do. We've seen the failure of Abram in that he doubted the timing of God's promise of an heir. He also doubted the plan that God had for the situation. But also notice with me, the failure of Abram continued to develop as he ultimately doubted God's power and authority. The failure of Abram was, yes, he doubted the timing of God's, of God's promise. He doubted God's plan. But ultimately, it all boiled down to the fact that he doubted God's power and his authority. Evidence of this is seen in the reality that he hearkened to the voice of Sarai instead of the voice of God. In verse 2 and 3, we see that Abram hearkens to the voice of Sarai. He sleeps with Hagar so as to obtain children. Again, this was acceptable in society, but that did not mean that it was acceptable in God's eyes. Ultimately, it appears that Abram was more concerned with appeasing his wife than he was with pleasing God. It wasn't just Abram. It wasn't just that Abram was listening to his wife that was, the, that was the, the entire matter on the issue. The fact that Abram was willing to hear his wife's proposition and then to act upon it without another thought was the issue. Though the passage does not specifically lay out for us whether or not Abram or Sarai prayed about this issue, it appears that they did not. It appears from what is given to us in Scripture that they simply decided that this would be the best course of action. If Abram and Sarai were unbelievers or just random characters in this account in Scripture, we wouldn't be surprised. But we must express surprise here as we have to assume that they did not seek God's approval or approach him to see if he would allow this method to be used. Christian, recognize this truth. When decisions in your life need to be made concerning serious circumstances, I would implore you, I would urge you to come to God for guidance. Come to God for the guidance needed in that situation. It is a comfort and it is a blessing to be gathered with brothers and sisters in Christ. It is so wonderful and I'm so thankful that if I have a need or a desire, I can come to someone and say, hey, please pray with me about this. And they can come alongside and pray with me. But at the end of the day, we need to come to God. We need to wait patiently on what God would have for us. Allow God to have the input for the important decisions and situations that we deal with. By choosing to act in our own strength and and in our own power, we run into the potential issue of displeasing our God and making a royal mess of things, don't we? Many times we say, I'll just make this decision myself. And before we know it, we've made several decisions by ourselves. And we're like, how can I even get out of this? And then that's when we come running to God and say, God, help me out of this. And God says, Why? Where, were you? where were you last week? Why are you asking for help now? Like Abram... We can, all see, we can all recount instances in our life when we have failed in regards to our relationship with God. If we were to be honest this morning, we have struggled at times with doubting the timing of God's promises. We've doubted God's plan for our lives. 
And ultimately, this has been because we have doubted the authority and the power that God has in our life. Now that we've looked at the failure of Abram, I do want to encourage you this morning by now looking at the faithfulness of God. Even in the midst of our human failures. We see the failure of Abram, and isn't isn't it kind of scary how many similarities we see there with us? We see the failure of Abram, but I'm thankful that we see the faithfulness of God. Look with me in verse 7. And the angel of the Lord found her, this is Hagar, by a fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, whence camest thou? And whither wilt thou go? And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress, Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Return to thy mistress, and submit thyself under her hands. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, and it shall, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and shalt bear a son, and, call, and shalt call his name Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. And he will be a wild man, his hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him, and he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. And she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her, Thou God seest me. For she said, Have I also here looked after him that seeth me? We see here the faithfulness of God. We need to acknowledge something right away when it comes to our God. Our God is truly a God of faithfulness. He is. The wonderful reality about our God is that he is faithful even in the midst of our failure. He's not just, fa- he's not just faithful to us when we are faithful to him. He's faithful to us when we doubt him, when we ignore him, when we disobey him. But when many approach this passage of Scripture, they place all the focus on Abram and Sarai. Uh, And though they they are integral to the account, we must not neglect to notice Hagar, the Egyptian handmaiden that was mistreated by both Abram and Sarai. Abram and Sarai had acted against God's intended plan. Remember a couple weeks ago, Abram had told this lie to Pharaoh He said, oh, Sarai, no, that's not my wife, that's my sister. Well, if you look in that passage, I I found it interesting that after they found out, oh, that that is your wife, Pharaoh had given them gifts and servants and gold and handmaidens, and yet Abram still took it. I don't know, I I find that kind of interesting. Um, And yet we read here of an Egyptian handmaiden named Hagar. Kind of goes back to the fact that Abram, Abram doubted God at times. That he still was looking to provide for himself in ways that God had promised he, he would provide for him. But he took Hagar. They acted against God's intended plan. God's plan was to eventually bless them with an heir in chapter 21 of Genesis. But what is wonderful to notice in the second half of this passage, when it comes to the faithfulness of our God, is that God found Hagar. Verse 7, the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness. Though she was in the wilderness, so, so to speak, no man's land, God found Hagar, even though she was pregnant and alone. Because she had been mistreated by Sarai, she had fled. Now, the scripture doesn't indicate how Sarai had mistreated her, but we can, we can assume what took place. Ultimately, Sarai had mistreated Hagar by using her to sleep with Abram, and then demoting her back to her former status. 
Previous, previously, we had mentioned that, that there was a social custom where the barren mother could use a handmaiden to sleep with the husband of the barren wife and carry the child until birth. Seems a little unfair, doesn't it? Carry the child. The child is born. Okay, thanks. Go back to being a, a handmaiden. And at birth, the baby could then be claimed by the mother as her own, the barren mother. Remember, though, that this is not acceptable in God's eyes. In the wilderness, though, Hagar was alone. But I do want to paint a complete picture here of Hagar. She was not entirely innocent in the situation. If you look back in verse 4, And he went in unto Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. In verse 4, Scripture reveals that as Hagar began to show signs of pregnancy, she began to view Sarai as less than she was. She began to despise Sarai. Because of her despising Sarai, Abram was approached by Sarai with this, with this other issue. And unfortunately, we see here that Abram, willing to listen to his wife, he, he hears a complaint of her, hey, I have done wrong. I have given this handmaiden, and he just kind of brushes it off. You handle it. Do with her as you please. Sarai was given permission to deal with Hagar however she wanted to. Therefore, she was mistreated. And then she then retreated out to the wilderness. We see here the faithfulness of our God and the greatness of our God, though, as he found Hagar. Though she may have felt alone, we see here that God found her alone in the wilderness. Though we are focusing on the faithfulness of God this morning, I do not want us to forget that we serve a God who is all-knowing. Isn't this a comfort for you and I? God knew where Hagar was. God knew the situation. Just like Adam and Eve in the garden, God knew what had taken place. God knew how Sarai and Abram had concocted their own idea. God knew how they had mistreated Hagar. And I would love to remind you this morning, fellow believer, that whenever you begin to doubt the faithfulness of our God, don't forget the truth and the reality that our God is all-knowing. Many times we we doubt the faithfulness of our God because God doesn't seem to be present. God doesn't seem to be answering our prayers. But if we were to be honest, we could look at Scripture and we find out that God is all-knowing. He knows the struggles. He knows the doubt. He knows the time we feel alone. He knows. He knows what you, you are facing. He knows the path that is ahead of you. Instead of doubting God, I would urge you to cling to the truth that our God is faithful. We see the faithfulness of our God, and it's seen as he found Hagar. God knew the situation, and yet he found her to provide comfort. But let us also see that God heard Hagar. He found Hagar, and then he heard Hagar. Uh, verse 11, And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and shalt bear a son, and shalt call his name Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. God found Hagar, and we see so clearly that he heard her. Though Hagar was an Egyptian, and though she was not a believer in God, it's amazing that that we see that God found her, heard her. Found her and then heard her. She was desperate. She was alone. She had been mistreated. She needed comfort, and God was there to hear. She, She was alone. There was no one there to listen to her. Abram and Sarai had mistreated her, and it just kind of kicked her out. They wouldn't listen. They didn't care. They were not 
willing to listen to, to reasoning. To them, Hagar was a disturbance. Hagar was a mistake. Isn't that a horrible thought? Hey, let's use this handmaiden. And they used her and thought, yeah, we shouldn't have done that. Well, goodbye. They were now willing to just throw her aside and to wait for something else. But we have a God who hears. Isn't that amazing? We have a God who hears us. What is sad is that when you think back to the beginning of the passage, Abram and Sarah should have realized this truth at the beginning of this account. By realizing that God is a God who hears, they should have been encouraged to come to God in prayer, submitting their requests and expressing their concern and their doubt. It's a truth that God is a God who hears. It's a truth that God is all-knowing. It's a truth that God is faithful. And I know that there are times in our lives where we sit in puzzlement over what is taking place. I was talking with someone earlier, and I said, doesn't it seem like sometimes when one thing, when one thing goes wrong in your life, everything seems to fall apart? When your car breaks down, someone else gets sick, you have, to, you, know, you have to quarantine. All this stuff happens, and it all happens at once, and you can get so frustrated. But aren't you thankful this morning that our God knows? Our God hears our frustrations. Our God sees our frustrations. See, if we can come in here this morning, we can put on a smile on our face, and we can fool all, each other. We can make it seem like everything's okay. Even though there's hurt in our heart, there's doubt in our heart, there's pain in our heart, I know there are times in our life where we sit in puzzlement over what is taking place. God, why are you allowing this to happen? Why is this person sick? Why, why am I struggling financially? Perhaps you are dealing with a relational issue this morning. Perhaps there's a struggle in your home. Someone's not getting along inside the home. Perhaps there's someone at work you just can't get along with. There's a friend that something has come up. Perhaps for some of you, you're dealing with some sickness. And you have a need. And it's big. And sure, there are people around you praying, but you're in pain. You're afraid because you don't know what's going to happen. I would encourage you to come to our God of faithfulness and to express those concerns. Because he heard Hagar, he will hear you. Our God knows what is going on in our life because he is the one who has given us, given us this wonderful gift of life. Our God would love to hear the struggles that you are dealing with. But again, this requires submission. Sometimes you are our fear of man. We don't want to come across as vulnerable. We want to make it seem like, that, like we are this Iron Man, so to speak. We don't want people to see that, hey, we struggle too. We want everyone to think, wow, he's got his life together. That's awesome. We don't want people to know that this sickness that we're dealing with, it's major. And we don't know what to do. It requires submission. It's amazing to see how God heard Hagar. Hagar, who had been mistreated. Hagar, who had felt alone, was heard by the creator, God. That should allow us to recognize that God hears us at all times. God doesn't just hear us 
when we praise him. God hears us when we complain. God hears us when we're not happy. Because look, man looketh on the outward appearance, God looketh on the heart. God knows what's going on. God knows that, hey, we may say we love him, but our actions and our heart reveal otherwise. God knows. He hears you. He sees you. God had found Hagar. He had heard Hagar. And this should not surprise us when we consider the faithfulness of our God. Our God is faithful, even in the midst of human failure. What's wonderful, though, as we look, as we finish up, is that not only did God find Hagar, not only did God hear Hagar, God saw Hagar. God saw Hagar in the midst of her affliction. Verse 13, thou, God, seest me. Thou, God, seest me. God knew she had been mistreated, and yet he saw her still during this time. What a joy to realize that God saw Hagar, even in the midst of this mess. So we want people to see us when everything's great. We want to invite people over for lunch when we can clean the house. We don't want them to come over for lunch Tuesday afternoon when we haven't been cleaning the house. Okay, We don't want people to realize that, hey, our house is messy sometimes. Hey, I struggle sometimes. And sometimes we only want to hang around people and to talk to people when life is going great. But our God sees us when life is not. Our God sees us when we feel extremely alone. Our God sees us in the midst of our affliction. He does not just see us when we are praising Him. He does not just see us when we come to church and sit in the pew. He does not just see us then. He sees us in the darkest times. The wonderful truth about our God is that circumstances do not change our God at all. He's faithful to act in a manner that, it, that is consistent with God's character. I'm so thankful for that. Abram was not faithful, yet God remained faithful. Abram doubted, yet God remained faithful. Hey, we can't, we're here this morning on, sun, on Sunday morning at church, which is great. I'm thankful you're here. But God sees when we doubt him on Tuesday morning. God sees when we neglect him on Thursday afternoon. God knows our heart. He sees us. He also sees that he sees it when we rely on our own strength. When we look to other sources besides his word. See, God here, he knew the future of Hagar. He knew the future of the child that she would bear. By reading ahead in scripture, we know that Ishmael, Hagar's son, would not be the heir that Abram, uh, would not be the heir of Abram that God had promised. Scripture would reveal that, Ab- that Ishmael would serve as an enemy to the nation of Israel, which would come through Abram's seed. The Ishmaelites would be subject to the seed of Abram. They would never be the chosen people of God. Yet we see in this passage the beautiful reality that God saw Hagar. Christian, I want to encourage you this morning by reminding you of the truth that our God sees you. He sees you in the midst of the afflictions that you're dealing with. And because our God is all-knowing, because he is all-present, he's aware of the difficulties that you are facing today. And I would love to urge you this morning to come to God and to seek his comfort and his guidance because he is a God of faithfulness. A God of faithfulness, even when his children fail him. God is faithful to me and you, 
even when we decide to run our lives our own way, God is faithful to us, even when we choose to ignore this great God and to live according to our law instead of according to his law. Our God is faithful even in the midst of our disobedience and our disbelief. What a wonderful truth that that is. Today we've been in Genesis 16. Examining this familiar account, very clearly we've seen the the failure of Abram. The The failure of Abram was seen in the way that he doubted the timing of God's promise. It was seen when he doubted God's plan. Maybe it won't go, be through Sarai. It was also seen when he doubted God's power, God's authority. Because he chose to do this, they messed things up horribly. They mistreated Hagar, the Egyptian handmaid. The failure of Abram was seen in the fact that he doubted God. Christian, remember, though, that our faithfulness does not determine God's faithfulness. Our God is faithful even in the midst of our failure. He's faithful when we doubt him. Like Hagar, God finds us in our times of distress. He hears us during the times when we feel completely alone. And thankfully, God sees us in the midst of our difficulties. Today, will you recognize your need for God's help? Will you stop the next time that you are facing difficulty and Humbly submit to God's power and authority and allow him to take care of the issue. Allow yourselves to submit to what God would have you to do. Perhaps today you're struggling with that relational issue. Ask God for guidance on how you should get that relational issue resolved. Maybe some of you are here this morning dealing with some difficult health issues. Allow God to serve as a great physician. Our God is faithful even in the midst of human failure. Will you rely on the faithfulness of our God today. Father, we thank you for the time that we've been able to spend around your word. Lord, as we look at the failure of Abram,